This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about bell peppers. Yes. <laughs> Lauren's arch nemesis, the <laughs> bell pepper. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. I mm. I don't know why, but but my body hates bell peppers. Not in like an allergy way, just in a you're going to be so miserable way. <laughs> I mean, it always, it makes me sad for you, Lauren. <laughs> I know there's so much you have to avoid, and I'm like, oh, the bell pepper, why? Yeah. The one that I usually get the most, uh, like, like sympathy about is uh, pineapple. Mm-hmm. But, but occasionally I get a really big bell pepper fan, and they just go, what? <laughs> but how? I'm like, I would... The, the, the garlic you pass over, the bell pepper you get upset about? Okay, I don't know, you know. The garlic is, that's the one for me. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you don't really need to know about this or particularly care, but <laughs> garlic I love. So that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, Oof. no, everyone, everyone has their thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, so, so, right, this is a food that I personally, I mean, I, I can eat it, I just shouldn't um and Mm -hmm. in fact i've gotten sick enough from eating food containing bell peppers that the the smell of 
fresh or especially cooked bell peppers, it smells like poison to me. Like wow, mm-hmm. it's it's like an immediate like visceral like nope reaction. <laughs> Um, wow. So writing this one was really fun. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if there was any particular reason you chose this one. <laughs> uh, it was during that, 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 like, that bout, that bout of mild insanity that I was like, let's do some things I've been avoiding. And Bell Pepper was mm. kind of on that list. So I see. That's, yep, that's fair. You know, I love a good Bell Pepper. Uh, I especially loved a good, like, charred bell pepper. Ooh, sure, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I feel bad, but uh, I do love them. I do seem to remember that you, when we did our kind of, like, savor promo, we had a food fight in it. And I feel like you had a bell pepper and you threw it at me. <laughs> I think that that is uh, correct. Uh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We, this was a video that we shot because sometimes podcasts need video promos. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, there was a big, big, brightly colored, maybe yellow, orange bell pepper. Mm. I'm sure that mm. there are photographs. Um, I'm sure that oh, there's yeah. a video. I don't know where. I, I would hope so. <laughs> that was the be. whole point. <laughs> We were so ambitious. We were so ambitious with that. We were. We were like, what if there's juggling? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and wa- we had several, like most of it was walk and talk scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then a, a big food fight with a lot of children. Yeah. Um, it was fun. I had oh, a it was. Time. It was terrific. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. A-, a plus. I would ill-advisedly do it again. Oh, Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think you could check out our episodes on paprika or paprika, uh, yeah. jalapeno, uh, maybe other things like black pepper. Yes. Yeah, uh, pimento cheese. Pimento cheese. Uh-huh. Um, um, I feel like bell peppers have been sprinkled throughout a lot of episodes. Sure, sure. Yeah, we definitely mention it in a bunch of our New Orleans episodes. Uh, yeah. I, I do have to say here at the top that I still have not watched Ratatouille. Um, a failure on my part. I <laughs> absolute failure. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I did still laugh a lot about Rakakuni, but mm, that was a popular costume at a recent convention oh, I went to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. No, we will watch Ratatouille, Lauren. We, we will. will watch Ratatouille, but not today. <laughs> no, because we have to do this episode about heck and bell peppers. We do so. That brings us to our question. Mm-hmm. Bell peppers. What are they? Well, uh, bell peppers are a type of culinary vegetable that grow big and shiny and crunchy and colorful and hollow. They are a mild type of pepper, meaning not spicy. Rather, their flavor ranges from grassy and vegetal to tangy to sweet when cooked, they sort of melt down into like slippery little noodles of color, just so vibrant, um, like a like a stiff, hollow tomato, like like an edible pinata. But if you don't like the prizes that it comes with, which are seeds, you can fill it with other things. Mm. 
And people do. People do. <laughs> Goodness, they do. Heck. Mm -hmm. uh, these are also called sweet peppers or various other things in various places. Again, to distinguish from spicy peppers. The botanical name is uh, Capsicum anum, which is a really wide species that encompasses those spicy peppers as well. And they are in the uh, also wide nightshade family, same as tomatoes and potatoes and eggplant. Bell pepper plants are usually grown annually and uh, and grow pretty well from seeds. They're a warm weather plant, can be grown in temperate climates during the summer, don't do well with frosts though. They're short and sort of sort of bushy and will flower with these cute little uh, white to purple flowers that if pollinated develop a pepper. The flowers are edible too. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Bell pepper is technically a fruit, a botanical berry in fact. They get big compared to lots of other types of peppers, like the size of a fist or so. They're they're lobed and hollow, yes, uh, with a firm, juicy flesh, just a centimeter or so thick, like a third of an inch, surrounded by thin, edible skin on the outside and uh, surrounding on inside a pocket where the seeds develop, um, like a like a little incubator, yeah. Uh, the seeds grow on this soft structural tissue that attaches to the inside of that firm flesh. And the seeds in that tissue are pretty bitter, so they're often removed before eating. Green bell peppers are mature, but still unripe. If they are allowed to ripen, they may turn yellow, orange, red, or purple, depending on the varietal, and will get sweeter and like less vegetal and a little bit fruitier. Uh, the color change happens because the immature fruit contains a lot of chlorophyll to help it process energy from the sun. But as it matures, that chlorophyll breaks down and uh, carotenoids take their place. Those are color compounds that give things like carrots and egg yolks their color. White bell peppers are a varietal, by the way, that's also picked and sold unripe. I do not think I've witnessed them. They look spooky. I haven't seen them either, but I, I mean, we're entering into the spooky season, so <laughs> that might be a good, good for some dishes I could make. Yeah, mm. not for me. Not for, not me. for you, <laughs> but for me. <laughs> I'll keep an eye out. I'll keep an eye out. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, the flavor on bell peppers tends to be fairly mild. They're often used more for color or texture or structure than is like a primary flavor in dishes. When they're fresh, they add a lot of crunch to stuff like salads or can be sliced and eaten with dips. And yeah, they, they cook down soft and a little bit saucy. And so they're added to all kinds of stews and sauces and rice dishes. Um, they're also big and sturdy enough that they're sometimes halved and stuffed with right savory fillings and then baked. Uh, can also be cooked down um, and or pickled for use as a condiment adding color and sweetness to sandwiches or finished dishes. And the seasoning paprika, right, is usually made from bell peppers that have been roasted and dried. But that's a whole separate episode. You can see that one for so much more about that. Indeed you can. Um, well, what about the nutrition? You know, by themselves, bell peppers are pretty good for you. Uh, they're mostly water and fiber, uh, so they're low in calories and can add a lot of color and a, and a little bit of sweetness and tanginess to your dishes for a low caloric buck. Um, you know, it's got a okay spread of vitamins and minerals, lots of vitamin C. So it will fill you up, but to help keep you going, uh, pair with a protein, maybe a little bit of fat. Yeah. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we do have some numbers for you. Mm-hmm. China is the largest producer of bell peppers, followed by Mexico, Turkey, Indonesia, and the U.S. Uh, the U.S. produces a substantial amount of bell peppers, about 1.6 billion pounds as of 2017. But still, we import about 35% more in order to fulfill our love and demand of this crop. Uh, it's estimated we consume about 2.23 billion pounds. A lot. Yes, heck. Uh, also, we only export some 5% of what we grow here in the United States. Uh, meanwhile, over 80% of what we import is from Mexico. And per capita use in the U.S. was about 11 pounds of bell peppers in 2017. Ooh, and they're mm -hmm. pretty lightweight. So that's I like know. 11 pounds of bell peppers? Heck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Some, mm. some of y'all are really working overtime to make up for mine. Yes. Um, California and Florida produce the most, though California produces about twice as much as Florida, like nearly half of the total American crop. And as of 2020, the American crop for the selling fresh market alone was something approaching 12,000 pounds a year with a value nearing half a billion dollars. Wow. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Guinness record of the episode, the heaviest bell pepper that Guinness has, has seen was recorded in 2020 in the UK, and the pepper in question weighed one pound 10 ounces, or 738 grams. Uh, it looked to be, like, I don't know, like a little bit smaller than a soccer ball. Okay. But like about that size-ish. I mean, that's calling to be stuffed, I gotta say. Oh, right? I didn't mm. read about what happened to it. But I know that the guy who grew it has uh, several other vegetable-growing-related records. Wow. Yeah. You know? You find your niche, I guess. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that there is a sweet pepper festival in Italy like up in the Piedmont every August, uh, sort of between like Turin and Milan. Uh, there's a tennis tournament. With I'm bell sure. peppers? The you, bell peppers oh, on the tennis ball? The, no. <laughs> a regular tennis tournament oh. at the bell pepper <laughs> festival. <laughs> oh. All right. But I like well, where you okay. were going. <laughs> I guess it'd be hard for the bell pepper to hold up, but... Eh. Well, a fresh trend survey from 1992 found that 95% of people liked bell peppers that were, like, not green bell peppers. Mm -hmm. um, and five of six people actually preferred bell peppers that weren't green bell peppers. And this was sort of, at the time, seen as, like, oh, they weren't, green peppers were more available. Right, right. people really preferred like red, yellow, orange, what have you. I don't know how scientific that was, but it really <laughs> cracked me up. Um, and this was around the time that people's interest in bell peppers that weren't green really shot up here in the U.S. So I don't know. I, this is probably not a current thing that is still an opinion held by a lot of people, but it just, it made me laugh. <laughs> people were like, I want this red one or orange one. <laughs> Not the green one, though. <laughs> no. no, never the green one. No. 95% <laughs> is pretty high. I feel like I, most of my early exposure to 
not green bell pepper was for like chili and stuff. Hmm. Um, and I didn't really know that there was a taste difference, but it was always, it felt like they, they always popped up in chili recipes for me and uh, they seemed fancier. And sure. Yeah. 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 Oh, well. I, I remember when, when differently colored peppers seemed quite fancy. Humans are so interesting. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, no, we just let it ripen and people will pay more for it. Weird. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, all right. We do have quite a bit of history of people really digging peppers of many colors. <laughs> we do. And uh, we will get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. 
Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So... Bell peppers most likely originated in what is now Mexico and Central and South America. Um, and people in those areas cultivated them or a pepper similar to them um, at least over 9,000 years ago. Uh, some of the earliest fossil evidence of these peppers traces back to Ecuador and is over 6,000 years old. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, since at least 7,500 BCE, bell peppers have been a staple of the diet for peoples in these regions. Yeah. Or perhaps uh, chili peppers more widely. But Yes. But a range of sweet and spicy peppers. Yes. Indeed. And as discussed in our black pepper episode, the name is widely believed to have come from Columbus and crew. Uh, who were scouring the globe for spices, including black pepper. Uh-huh. And so the heat and or bite of these pepper crops like bell peppers um, were similar in their minds to the bite of black pepper. So here we are. Yep. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Um, Columbus transported several types of peppers from the Americas back to Europe, where they were a pretty big hit fairly quickly. By the mid-17th century, they were being widely grown in Middle and Southern Europe and were used both as a food, um, almost um, often almost like a spice, mm-hmm. but also medicinally. These varieties of peppers were also introduced via trade routes from South America to Asia and Africa by the 16th century, where they were pretty readily incorporated into a whole host of dishes um, as well. Yeah. There are several written mentions of bell peppers in the Americas between the late 1600s and mid-1800s, including one that indicates it was being commercially grown in New Mexico by 1600. An English pirate wrote about observing them in Panama in 1699. Okay. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Another author mentioned that bell peppers were popular for pickling in Jamaica by 1871. Um, and also were a, a big part of this drink condiment situation. Okay. Um, by 1888, bell peppers were recorded in the Philippines, and it had local names in both China and Japan, um, which a lot of historians argue meant that they had kind of been there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, another source indicates it was present in Bermuda by at least 1918. But yeah, uh, tracing the history of world trade can be tricky, often is, very Uh infuriating. (laughs) Uh But historians think that some of the North American favorite varieties of bell peppers were derived in India in 1759 and then introduced here via trade routes. So left South America, went to India. Yeah, developed for a few hundred years there and then got back here. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and and there really is. This is one of the ones where um, there's such 
a lot of confusion about where things were coming from and where they had originated that, right, like you wound up having people in Europe thinking that bell peppers were native to parts of Africa or Asia. Right. And that was not correct. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> uh, and, and here so, we are. <laughs> yeah. And so a lot of the writing about them, when you start digging into the history, you're like, oh, that's not OK. All right. Cool. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely one where it was like, OK, so that whole thing I just read. All right. Yeah. Inaccurate. Is inaccurate. <laughs> but interesting. Yeah. It's worth mentioning. Sure. But was working off of not correct information. <laughs> yeah. For mm-hmm. for sure, there is record of, uh, in 1826, this botanist by the name of Grant Thorburn, which is a great name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was offering the seeds of a varietal of peppers called bell peppers for sale here in the United States. Yes. And then uh, the 1896 edition of the original Boston Cooking School cookbook by Fannie Merritt Farmer included an early written recipe for stuffed peppers, which were sometimes called pepper cases. Pepper cases. I love that. Yes. So good. And let me tell you, I found some really fun recipes for stuffed peppers doing this research. It was a whole phase for America. We were putting all kinds of things in peppers. It was kind of like (laughs) aspic level of what can we put in this? (laughs) Yeah. This is the fanciest possible way to serve anything. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love it. Please. That's a rabbit hole that I recommend. And hopefully we can come back and revisit it because it was very delightful. (laughs) I I do. That is one of the things that I miss the most about not eating bell peppers is uh, those in like stuffed poblanos. Like, oh, oh, man. Yes. Yes. Like Ariana is so good. Anyway, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Um by the 1920s, a variety called the California Wonderbell was gaining popularity and it would wind up being like pretty much the standard like big old blocky red bell pepper in supermarkets for the rest of the 1900s. Yeah. Um and then around this time speaking of popular bell peppers were quite popular in the southern United States, and there was a bit of a race for proprietary breeds that further complicates all of this history and research. Mm -hmm. Um, They were a popular hothouse and garden plant, depending on the environmental conditions, and they were pickled. Yes, that was was a pretty uh, popular way to enjoy them, but they were also enjoyed in salads. I saw a lot of recipes for bell pepper salad. Sure, yeah. Some were grown as ornamentals, and I never really confirmed it anywhere, but I think a lot of sources said the name came from the bell, just the shape of a bell. (laughs) Yeah, that's I couldn't track down anything more concrete than that either. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then speaking of another episode that we have to come back to, um, Chef Paul Prudhomme is often credited with popularizing the term, not the actual mixture, but the term Holy Trinity. Uh, referring to Louisiana's answer to France's mirepoix, which is, so the Holy Trinity is a mix of onion, celery, and bell pepper that is at the heart of so many of Louisiana's iconic dishes. Um, so the Holy Trinity, whew. Oh, yeah. Thing. Whole thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, mirepoix, also a whole thing. Also, yes. yes. Um, 
According to to the source the sources I was looking at, this term Holy Trinity was a nod to the Roman Catholic roots of some of the first Europeans to arrive to Louisiana. Um, bell peppers were widely grown and available in the area at the time and had been for a while. So um, they replaced the typical carrots used in similar European trinities, including perhaps particularly France's and Spain's, where many of these early Europeans were from. So they were trying to recreate their version of the Holy Trinity, but they couldn't get carrots, perhaps. Yeah. So they add in the bell pepper instead. And yeah, there some, we go. Something also colorful and flavorful. Um, mm-hmm. but more locally <laughs> available. Sure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. In the past 20 years or so, I couldn't find a good reason for why. I assume it's technology, basically. Just I, I, And I wrote in here, like, technology, question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, um, something has allowed the acreage devoted to bell peppers to decrease by about a third while yields have been increased by about a third. So more peppers on less space. I don't know. Huh. I don't know if it's varietals. I don't know if it's growing techniques. I don't know if it's technology. I don't know if it's uh, global warming. <laughs> it could be <laughs> could be any number of combin- or, or any combination of things. It's true. It's true. Uh, I mean, clearly... Apart from you, Lauren, a lot of we've got a big taste for them here. So <laughs> I I can confidently say that they are in an absolutely shocking number of products and mm-hmm. dishes. Um. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> it's true because I can't not think of you when I see it now, and I'm like, oh, Lauren yeah. couldn't have that. Oh no, yeah. not that one. <laughs> not that one. <laughs> It's, I definitely, I, I'm pretty hypoglycemic and when my blood sugar drops, I, I get, I get very emotional sometimes and, uh, I have definitely just been like hungry and tired and like, and just wept into a a freezer case because I couldn't find a frozen meal that didn't have bell peppers in it. And all I wanted to do was like go home and microwave something. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Fast immediately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was okay. I, w- I wound up getting food. Don't worry. I thought I'm, it's, I'm yeah. fine. But. <laughs> it's a struggle. It's a struggle for sure. It is. Mm. It, it's, hey, we all have, we all have our struggles. That's like in the grand scheme of the universe, like that's just fine. I, <laughs> I do okay. Mm-hmm. I have to say. I am excited for you, and also I feel kind of guilty, but I am excited for you to read my the pun ideas I have for this episode. <laughs> oh, no. All right. <laughs> great, great. Looking forward to it, as always. <laughs> you know, only the best of friends can make <laughs> bell pepper puns together. That's what I say. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I think that's what we have to say about bell peppers for now. It is. Uh, we do have some listener mail for you, though, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. 
So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with for whom the bell pepper tolls. That's right. Oh, okay. I was like, I was like, are we are we hulking out? Like, what? Okay, we could also. Yeah, bell pepper Hulk could be a thing. Okay, multiple. It was working on different levels, perhaps not purposefully. 
but <laughs> no, that's okay. That's the thing about art. You put your art out into the world and and people interpret it. Um, yes. And that's that's lovely. Exactly. You you bring a piece of yourself to the interpretation. Yeah. That's that's what it is. Yeah. Um listeners, please write in. How did you interpret that? <laughs> Kelly wrote. I'm listening to your Listener Mail 13 episode, and I was just chuckling to myself about the rice cooker emails and your comments about how most of the time you don't bother to rinse rice, but some of your letter writers insisted on how important it is. Just chiming in to offer my two cents, and I have no skin in the game. I do not come from a rice culture myself. Both ways of doing it are potentially right, depending on what you're aiming for, and different cultures have cherished traditions and strongly held opinions about their preferred methods. If you're aiming for rice with fluffy, separate grains, then rinsing is a good idea. It washes the starch off the surface of the rice. If, on the other hand, you want rice with some stickiness so that the grains clump together a little bit, that starch will help you achieve that. So you would only want to rinse it lightly or not at all. Mm. Oh, there you go. Yes. Thank you. I, I knew that there was something specific about the rinsing versus not rinsing that I was forgetting about. And that is it. There you go. There you go. For some reason. I feel like there's been a lot of argument and debate and confusion and perhaps fear-mongering around this. For some reason, I thought it had to do with the arsenic. I thought that's why you were supposed to rinse it. <laughs> oh, hmm. Which says a lot about me being like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. Uh, I'm not, uh, we, we would have to, I would have to do more more reading about it. I do think that is true or not. I think some people say that. But that also makes sense with the starch. I've heard that, I've heard that too. Um, so it sounds like, you know, there's, there's different reasons and methods and traditions, as you say. So yeah. it can be okay to, to pursue, to pursue <laughs> the method that you're looking for in your particular dish that you're trying to make. <laughs> oh, now I want to like run some experiments. Okay. All okay. Right. Yes. <laughs> uh, Michael followed up after his last email that we read on here um, about that amazing sounding uh, paella yaki onigiri. Yeah? Everyone remember mm -hmm. that? Um, yeah. Yeah. And at the time of that listener mail, uh, Michael had COVID. So, okay. Intro. Uh, here mm -hmm. we are, though. He said, Thank you so much for boosting the positive vibes in my COVID-afflicted heart. It was just what my soul needed, even more than soul-comforting food. I had been gifted soul-comforting people, like a warm chicken soup made with long-simmered bone broth and fresh vegetables or a good bowl of pho. That's what you two are, and I'm sure I'm not the only one for whom you are soul-comforting people. Just a side note. And also, ah, thank you. Yes, That's so nice. Thank you. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, just a side note. You gave me more than a little seedlet of an idea. You see, a few days earlier, I had been randomly listening to past episodes, and I happened to listen to the paella episode from January of 2021. Uh, this was while I was planning the menu, so I quickly took note that I wanted to do a paella-based dish but wasn't sure how to make it Spanish-Asian-Local-Hawaiian fusion. Then... I heard the onigiri episode, and the two ideas immediately took shape together the moment you talked about yaki onigiri. So I really do owe it to you for the idea. This is something I love about Savor. When I need to be inspired, sometimes all I need is to hop around the archive and listen to you. 
Next, when Annie, or Lauren even, decides to give it a go and make onigiri, feel free to reach out to me. You must already have a lot of Hawaii and Japan contacts, but I want to make myself available for any questions you have or ideas you want to try. Imagine making the basic onigiri and musubi, then moving on to add different fillings or toppings, and then taking the next step in taking rice dishes from other culinary traditions from around the world and turning them into onigiri or musubi. You could be Atlanta's onigiri pioneer, blazing into new horizons in the onigiri-verse and beyond. Also, as a D&D player since the days of AD&D, um, uh, please keep up the D&D talk and references. I love and appreciate them. If the podcast is this fun, I can't begin to fathom how fun your game sessions must be. Finally, if you ever make it out here again and would like to have another food-loving culinary anthropology and food science-interested resource slash guide slash friend around, please know that you're welcome back to our islands and know that you can call on me. Thank you, by the way, for the incredible attention you pay in cultural sensitivity and respect to our culture. We hear it, we see it, and we appreciate you for it. Oh, that is like the <laughs> nicest heckin' email, sir. Oh, yes. thank you. Yes, thank, thank you. Thank you so much for, for listening and for writing in and for cooking really amazing sounding food. Yes. Yes. And for comparing us to a bowl of pho. That's like the <laughs> nicest compliment I've ever received. Right. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Right. Oh, all, all of y'all are just the best. You are. You are. And I, I am, I have been putting it off, but I am about to embark on my onigiri journey. And I like this idea of the onigiri verse. And now I'm thinking, I'm wondering, my mind is expanding about what kind of topic, like fillings I could put in there. Yeah. Um, To give it a little Atlanta flair. Ooh, Um, lemon pepper wet onigiri. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That'd be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So it's it's cool. It's like the circle of savor because we helped you come up with this idea. Now you're giving us ideas and it yeah. just continues in a lovely, warm circle of delicious food and, <laughs> <laughs> and uplifting each other, which I love. And mutual admiration. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes exactly. Um, well, yes, we do so much appreciate uh, hearing from you listeners. Um, i so happy to hear you love our D&D references uh, because <laughs> they aren't going to stop. <laughs> nope. Uh, and, and we really, yes, thank you to both of these listeners for writing in. For everyone who's written in, uh, if you would like to write to us at you can, our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. 
Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.